morning. I thank you for the move of the Spirit this morning, oh God. I thank you, Lord, that your presence is here with us this morning. You have graced us, King of kings and Lord of lords, with your presence this morning. You have moved amongst your people this day. God, I give you thanks and I glorify your great and holy name. Beloved, we have a couple of words for us this morning along with God's strength. I'd like to give those to you now. Keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed if you would for a moment. The word of the Lord says, I am with you in all ways and in all things. Don't focus on the storm fronts of this world and what they are going through. Your life is in me. You're in my strength. I will never leave you. Keep your eyes focused on the clouds for my return is soon. Prepare yourself, my children, for I love you. My harvest is great and you are all part of it. Keep your eyes on your king. The Lord says, I love you. Can someone say amen to that? Talking about strength. The word of the Lord came also, and I came to my people as one who loves. I came to call you closer, closer to me. And Lord, we receive your word this morning. We receive that word that says, it's not in our strength. It's not by might. Not by power, but by my, what is it, saints? His spirit. Amen? That's where the strength is at. It's in the spirit of the living God this morning. Guys, I think it'd be appropriate to give our King of kings, the Lord of lords, a hand clap of praise this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, let's worship. Let's worship him. Let's worship him. Amen. 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 Have you felt the touch of the King of Kings this morning? Come on, let me see you. Amen. So good to be in the house of the Lord with you this day. We glorify our God and King. Amen. Amen. God is good. And all the time. Amen. Oh, body of Christ, I love worshiping him. <laughs> I know you do too. Absolutely. Let's take just a second, turn around. Wave at somebody, hug a neck, shake a hand, and just tell them how great it is for them to be here this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Steve. Love you, buddy. Hi, Linda. How you doing? Hi, Mom. Love it. <laughs> Terry. 
see, man. Right. All right. That's it. Amen. It's good to fellowship with the saints in the house of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Guys, let me take a moment here and just welcome our visitors today. If you are here in Northville Christian for the very first time, I'd like to ask you to grab a connection card from behind the pew there in the front. Just fill that out, and, and we'd love to connect with you. And, and we have a free gift for you this morning. If you'd make your way back to the info center right outside that door right there, we'd like to put that gift in your hands and just get to know you just a little bit better. So we just want to welcome you to our service this morning. Saints, thank you for your faithfulness to give to God's work. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, thank you. Appreciate you so much. Amen. How many know that the gospel sometimes takes a little funding? <laughs> it's worth it to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. Hey, we'll take it. Giving envelope. Uh, on the back of your pew right there, we have collection boxes in the back. You can give it that way. You can give it online. And, you know, Pastor Chuck always tells you we get it by snail mail. It's okay. We'll take that, too. Just uh, 41355 Six Mile Road, Northfield, Michigan. There you go. You can send it in that way. But that's how we get it. It's not. It's being faithful to, to God's work. Amen. And thank you for your faithfulness. Okay. Uh, after service today, we have uh, for our membership. We have a, a, a special business meeting that's going to take place right here in the sanctuary. But saints, here, let me ask you to do this. At the end of the service, I need you to exit. And Kevin and Diane Bringelson is right outside that door. I need you to initial in and then come right back in. They're going to give you a ballot, and you're going to come right back in, and, and the meeting shouldn't take very long. Ann's already got hers. She signed in already. There you go. Yeah. That orange copy there. There you go. Okay, but I need you to do that, okay, just so we can exit and we can come right back in. Um, Non-members, you're welcome to stay and to watch how Northville conducts its business according to God's plan and God's purpose. Come on, saints. Can I have an amen on that one? All right. And so we're going we're gonna to have a very quick vote in here right after the service today. Okay, so exit, come back in with your ballot, and we'll get the, the special business meeting started. Okay, we'll do that. All right, um, let me see what else we got. Good Friday service. Saints, we're going to have a good Friday service. I'm just telling you, all right? Good Friday, 1230 to 1.30. We're not going to stop having good Friday service now. We've got to have it in here, right? Make plans, write it on the calendar. Good Friday service, 1230 to 1.30, right here on Good Friday. And then the next day, Pastor Nate, we got an Easter egg hunt. How many Easter eggs have we got to find? 6,000 Easter eggs. Whoa, come on, Jesus. There you go. <laughs> Look, y'all, that's a lot of candy. I'm just saying. I'm just calling it like I see it. There you go. That's it. But, hey, you need help with that, don't you? Okay. Hey, uh, you, you, have never, you have never had a blessing till you see one of the little guys find an egg. It's like, oh, oh I got an egg, you know. If you want to see that, I need your help. Uh, I'm just calling it like I see it now. Come on. We need some help for that. You can see Pastor Nate, okay, and get, get some help because we're going to need help hiding the eggs, and it's all going to be inside. And, and I'm telling you, those little guys are, are so cute, man. They're so cute. So we need, we need a little help with that. That's on the following day. Then Easter Sunday morning, 
We have our former superintendent of the Michigan District, Michigan Network now it is, anyway, Brother Jeff and Karen Halabin will be with us on Easter Sunday morning. You do not want to miss that service because Brother Jeff is outstanding. I know you will receive a blessing from God's man. Amen. Okay? Just letting you know what's coming up. All right. Did I get them all? What do you think, Pastor Bob? Did all right? Huh? We need to pray. Huh? I'm sorry. I missed it. I, I don't have that one. Sorry. Help me out, Bob. <laughs> Oh, yeah, 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 that's right. Uh, yeah. I missed it, didn't I? That's okay. I had a lot going this morning. I did. That's it. We need to pray for a new pastor, don't we? Oh, I forgot that. Anyway, but now I remembered it. That's why we call it a team, don't we? That's it. You guys ready to pray this morning? Pastor Bob, lead us in prayer. Lord Jesus, we are so grateful that you are the Lord of the church. You are the head, and you're the one who builds your church. And we thank you for the way you've built this church over the years. And part of that building is that you have always given us a lead pastor that was your choice, your person for this church, with the, the anointing and the giftings that made it possible for us to not only grow, but really exceed in, with you in Jesus. And so, Lord, we pray for our new pastor. We just ask you to continue to work on the person that you have planned for this church. Continue to develop them, work in their hearts, your vision, your change, uh, them and their whole family. And as you do, would you continue to work with us as a church? We are so grateful for this body of believers, Lord Jesus. They are mature. They're growing in Jesus. Uh, they're healthy. It's such a joy to pastor this church. And I know you, this church is going to be a gift to whoever, whoever you bring. But we just continue to pray that you develop both of us. So at the right time, at the right time, you'll just bring us together and we'll continue with what your vision is for us in this community. And we thank you for this now in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Now that's bad when your pastor forgets to pray. Now I'm just saying. I'm just calling it like it is. Hey. <laughs> We're human too, aren't we? <laughs> that's it. Guys, I'm excited this morning. Are you ready to receive some word this morning? Hey, we got him. We, 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 Denny, we got him out of the children's church now. I'm just telling you, that's what we got. But guys, I'll tell you what, there's no finer, there's no finer children's pastor anywhere. I'll just go ahead and call it like I see it. Now, that's my opinion, and I'm entitled to it. There you are. I'm so grateful this morning to announce this morning. Would you receive our pastor this morning, Pastor Nate Murray? Come on. Love you, brother. Love you, brother. Oh. Well, thank you, Pastor Chuck. I don't know how I'm going to do after following up that. <laughs> hey, you have never had a hug like a Pastor Chuck hug. If you ever, you ever need some encouragement, if you're ever down, if you're having a bad day, you give that man a hug, it's gone. Don't even worry about it. I am so excited to be here with you today to continue our series through Ephesians. It is such a blessing and an honor, not just to bring the word, but like Chuck said, to bring the word to such a congregation. Uh, you guys may not know this. We brag on you guys all the time. Wherever we go, whatever conference we're at, when we see other pastors, we get to brag on you and how wonderful you are and how mature you are as a congregation. Can I just say thank you? Like, 
You have no idea how much that makes our jobs easier. It is a true blessing to be here with you. So I just want to say thank you and welcome to Northville Christian, whether you're here in person or you're joining us, joining us online. Um, thank you for coming. We had some weird weather today. Is it still snowing out there? Is it, when I came in, it was snowing, and I was like, what is this? It's March. We are getting ready for April. It should not be snowing. I was not excited about that. But thank you for, for bearing that cold and coming. Uh, I, am, I am so excited for the month of April. We are having our egg hunt, like Pastor Chuck said. We have 6,000 eggs, and it is so much fun. We take those eggs, and we spread them all throughout the building, and we have the kids run through, and, and they gather them up. But I think the more important part is we get to have kids that don't always come to our church. Come in here and hear about the gospel. I love sharing every uh, Sunday and Wednesday with our kids. They are wonderful. But I know that there are so many kids out there who have never heard the name of Jesus. Who have never heard the amazing things that he has done. So I would encourage you, church, uh, invite your friends, invite your family, invite people in your neighborhood. Uh, look, it's not about me. It's all about him. The numbers don't go to me because I want to be a kingdom builder. I want to get as many of those kids to him, not to me. We want to get them to him. So uh, I am so excited. So if you would join us with that, it is amazing. It's so much fun. And our staff, uh, all of them come and they help out. So you'll see all the pastors there. It's a wonderful time. Last week, Pastor Bob closed out Ephesians chapter 5. As he talked about a Christian marriage, uh, it was wonderful. I love that I get to go online and listen uh, to his words and his wisdom. If you missed it, I would encourage you guys, go back and listen. Uh, whether it's on the Northville Facebook page or on the website, uh, it is such a joy. He's got so much wisdom and knowledge. And I will probably go back and listen to that probably another three times. I'm just, <laughs> just going to throw that out, Pastor Bob. It was wonderful. Well, I'm so honored to come before you as we start the last chapter in Ephesians and to share uh, really what God has put on my heart for you today. And it's such an honor to come before you and to say, God, what do you want your congregation to hear? Uh, I'm going to do my best. I know we have the business meeting at the end, so I'm trying not to keep you too long, but I want to make sure that I'm doing his will and I'm giving you what he wants you to hear. Amen. All right, so today we are talking about, it's a super exciting topic called family obedience. I know everybody just got really excited right there. Obedience, you know, that's always the one we love to teach on and to talk about, right? It's something that we need to walk through. I mean, we heard earlier as they were given the word that God is there for us. But if you don't walk in that obedience, it doesn't mean anything. If you don't go to him and lay your cares and your worries before his feet, he can't help you. If you're not obedient and you're not walking through that, it's not going to help you. Church, we have to be obedient to what he has said in his word and the words that he is giving to you as an individual. When I was growing up, a lot of times I played soccer. I ended up running track. But in the eighth grade, I decided I was going to go out for basketball. And I tried, I didn't really know the game super well, but I did my best. And I go out for the team, and our team was pretty good, and I got cut. And I was so upset, I was so devastated, that the next year, I said, I'm going to make that team. And I set out, and I watched so much game film, I studied as much as I could. I remember actually going out and shoveling off the driveway with snow in the driveway, and shooting with a flat ball. It probably didn't help me out much, but I tried. And the next year comes along, 
and we've got tryouts, we've got practices, so I go, and I was so excited to make the team. I don't know how close I was to getting cut, but I know for most of the year, I sat the bench. And part of it was knowing that I got cut. I was so nervous, I was so anxious when I went into the game. And so I remember one game, uh, our coach, who is not a very tall man, he was maybe only this tall, um, he was the scariest little person I've ever seen in my life. As a, as a freshman, I was probably shorter than what my son is currently, and he was looking up to me. All right, I was not a very big kid, but he was shorter than that. And I remember I was terrified of him. Not because he wasn't kind or sweet, because he was, but I knew if you messed up, you were running in practice. I don't like running. All right. So I am, he calls me over, and we're winning this game. I'm, we are dominating the other team. And he calls me over, and there's only a few minutes left in the game. And he says, Nate, I want you to go in there. And he pauses. And I think, okay, he's going to say, I want you to score a bunch of points, or I want you to run the point guard position. He says, I want you to go in there, and I want you to foul out. And I kind of pause. I'm like, you want me to do what? Because fouling out means you commit so many fouls that they kick you out of the game. There's only a few minutes left in the game. It's not like I had a whole quarter. I only had a short amount of time. But I was so excited to get in. I was like, okay. And I went in, and I played the hardest defense I think I've ever played in my life. I was hacking. I was playing uh, good defense. I was pushing them around. I was doing everything I could to get a foul. And I think it was by the grace of God that the uh, referees did not give me that fifth foul because I got four. They wouldn't let me get the last one. But I tried so hard. And at the time, I didn't understand what he was trying to do. But during that game, I noticed nobody got mad at me. Nobody was angry with me because I fouled. All my teammates encouraged me and they helped me. And I didn't lose the game because I made a mistake. But I was obedient to my coach. As an adult, I can look back and see the wisdom that he had at that moment. He was helping me to get over those nerves of making a mistake in a game and overthinking things, which I have a tendency to do sometimes. And he really helped me out. Church, God does that with us. Sometimes we don't always understand what he's trying to teach us. But if you walk in obedience, maybe later on it will make sense. Not always. But most of the time, I feel like you can look back and say, God, I see what you did there. I see how you prepared me for that. I see how you worked out this issue before it even came. But if you're not obedient to his word, it can't happen. So like I said, we're talking about family obedience. And before we get into this, I want to try to look at this scripture through a slightly different lens. I want to look at it through the lens of Jesus. In Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 and 10, Jesus teaches us to pray. And he says these words, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is so important to me because Jesus yet has not been to the cross. He knew what God's will was to be, and he still chose God's will over his own. Jesus does a few things right at the beginning of this to set the tone. There's more of this prayer. But he sets the tone of the prayer with these two, these two verses. He starts off by calling God our Father, not just my Father, our Father. He includes you and I in that. And then he asks for God's will to be done, not his own. That is so important, and as we read the Bible, we need to remember this. It's not my will. It's his will. It's not what I want. 
It's what he wants. And we need to look at it through that lens of, God, what is your heart in this? What is your desire? What do you want done? Church, we can't follow his will if we don't obey him. If we never listen to the words that he gives us, that's not obedience, right? As parents, we like to tell our kids things one time, and we want them to do it, amen? And when they don't, we say, you're being disobedient. So why, as adults, is it okay for us not to listen to him when he says something? So two key notes that I want to read. Uh, some of what we're going to talk about, I understand people can get a little antsy on. And so I want to look at uh, two quick notes before we get into this. The first one is the Bible was not written in 2022. The culture was different. The world was different. So we're going to tackle some topics today that we may not see in our world, but they, that doesn't mean that they didn't experience it in theirs. And the Bible was not written just for people of this day, but throughout history. So just because we read a topic that you say, oh, I don't like that, or I don't like that, it's not up to you. Because God wrote this for people of all different races, age, and positions, no matter where they're at, not just here in America, in Michigan, in 2022. So let's begin. In chapter 6, verse 1, children, obey your parents and the Lord. And every parent right there should say amen, right? For this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy a long life on earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in training and instruction of the Lord. I love that Paul here addresses the children. So many times we have uh, books and we have letters written to the whole church. And as adults, we think, oh, that's for me. But here, he's talking to the kids. But let's remember that Jesus also said that we are his children. He encourages the kids, but then gives them a reason to do what they should do. Right? Have you ever done that with your kids? Maybe you tell them, hey, if you go mow the lawn, you know, maybe afterwards you and I can go get an ice cream. Right? You encourage them. You give them a reason to do what is right. And that's exactly what Paul does. He says, here's why you should do this. And here's something good that's going to come of it if you do. I know kids, they love to ask the why question. You tell them something, the first thing out of their mouth is either why or no. I can deal with the why. I, don't, I, don't, <laughs> I do not like the no. But as parents, we should be teaching our kids to become who God wants them to be. Which means teaching them both practical and spiritual wisdom. Right? Some things as parents that we might say are, don't play in the road. Don't run with scissors. Maybe when they get a little older, you'll say, don't text and drive. These are all very practical things that as parents, we should be teaching them. Grandparents, aunts, uncles, these are things that we should be telling the kids to protect them, right? It's not that we don't want them to have fun. It's not that we don't want them to sit at home and be bored all day. But we want to protect them so that they can go on and live a long and healthy life. But remember that your heavenly father has put wisdom in his book for you to live a long and healthy life as well. When I read this passage, I read, it, I read it both as a parent who is training up children, but also as a child of God, being taught by my heavenly father. And Jesus has put, or God has put certain things in his word for us. How about remember the Sabbath and keep it holy? Some of us like to work a little bit too much, right? There's always some project we need to do. There's always something we need to get done. And 
Are you taking time to rest? Are you taking time to rest in him? Are you taking time with your family? Are you keeping the Sabbath holy? How about in Matthew 22, verse 37, he said, Jesus replies, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. That's pretty good wisdom. Because I believe it was uh, Pastor James when he talked about people want to toll the line of sin. Well, if you're so focused on the Father and doing what he wants, you're not worried about the sin. You're not worried about how close you can get to it. You're worried about how close you can get to him. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 25, Jesus tells us not to worry. What are we going to add to our life by worrying or stressing out about everything? You can't add a day, an hour. You can't fix a situation by worrying and saying, God, I just want this to happen. What if God wants it to happen? Is it your will or is it his will? In verse 4, it switches from fathers or some translations that says parents. Paul gives a brief but impactful description of how to raise your children. It's very brief, but I love what he says. Fathers do not exasperate, or some versions that says provoke. Don't make them angry just to make them angry. That's not okay, parents. Instead, bring them up in training and instruction of the Lord. Not in the world, not what the world says is good, but in him. Are you teaching your kids to pray? Are you teaching them to read their Bible? Are you teaching them how to find that quiet time throughout the day? Because I'll tell you what, church, if you're not teaching your kids, somebody will. So you may have noticed my, uh, my jelly beans over here. This is one of my favorite illustrations. And each jelly bean here represents one week. I gotta grab my notes so I don't <laughs> mess up the numbers. And as long as nobody on the worship team ate any of these, these numbers should be correct. The small jar represents 312 weeks. That's six years. The medium jar is 624. That's 12. And the large jar is 936. That's 18 years. Normally around 18 years old is when kids begin to move out or begin to think about moving out. Did you know that most of the church, around 80% of the church is saved before 18 years old? That doesn't mean they can't get saved after. But if you're looking at the church, this is when most of them are saved by. Between 12 and 6 is a crucial time for kids. In George Barna's uh, book, Transforming Children into Spiritual Champions, which parents, that is a fantastic book to read. He says this, social science has known for years that moral foundations of children are generally determined by the, by the time an individual reaches the age of nine. Nine years old is when their morals are set. Our research confirms a parallel outcome in the spiritual dimension. By age nine, most children have their spiritual moorings in place. So you're telling me right between these two is the compass that they're going to live the rest of their life by. Their morals and ethics are set. Church, are we teaching them to prepare them for this age? Because if we're waiting till they're 18 or beyond, we're missing it. We can't wait. I look at my own kids, and I have a son who's about to turn 14, which means he's over 12 years old. I have fewer than this many jelly beans with him. That is scary to me as a parent. 
to think, God, have I prepared him enough to do your will, to be the man of God that you want him to be, not who I want him to be? Have I done that as a parent? Because that's not a lot of jelly beans. That time is going to fly by. Church, are we doing what we should? Parents, you have the largest influence of your children. There's a lot of other things that are pulling at that, technology, parents, friends, but you have the biggest influence in their life. And this is backed up throughout research time and time again. What you teach them, they will carry with them for the rest of their life. In Life Kids, our vision is to partner with families to help children grow spiritually through biblical teachings. Our job is to help you. Your job is to do it. We're the support. As much as I love teaching your kids and I love seeing them, I realize that I only get so many weeks with them. Right? I only get till they're 12. Pastor Raymond takes them after that. I can't teach them everything they need to learn here at church. You have to do that in the home. One of the biggest things in my life that helped me wasn't some incredible spiritual awakening moment. It was coming down every morning to see my dad reading his word as he was eating cereal. Something so simple, but he set such a foundation in my life that that was a priority for him every single morning. Are you making that a priority for your kids, for your grandkids, for your nieces and nephews? Church, we can't let this generation get away. He said, bring them up in training and instruction of the Lord. We need to take that to heart. We need to teach them how to pray. We need to teach them how to read the Bible. And we need to teach them how to obey. Just as I want my kids to obey me, I have to obey him. Am I teaching them how to do that? Because that's my job as their father. You have to set the example. I would encourage you, if you have young kids, show them how to read the Bible. Show them how you study. Take time with them and pray with them, not just over a meal or before bedtime, but show them how you pray so that they can learn from you. Now, the next portion is going to get a little different from the first portion, right? The first portion I feel real confident in. We're talking about parents and kids, and I love it. And the next portion, we're going to switch over to slaves and masters. And this kind of goes back to my two keynotes before. Don't just look at this as where we're at today. Let's look at where they were at that time. Verse 5 says this, Slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear, with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Obey them not only to win their favor when their eye is on you, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart, serving wholeheartedly, as if you were serving the Lord, not people. Because you know that the Lord will reward each, each one of you for whatever good they do whether they are slave or free. And masters, treat your slaves the same way. Do not threaten them, since you know that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven, and there is no favoritism with him. I love that there's no favoritism with God. He doesn't look at you and say, well, you're nine and you're 90, so I'm going to take the 90. He loves us all. He doesn't care how much money you bring in. He doesn't care about your earthly position. He loves you. He wants a relationship with you. You are his child. And that's what he cares about. Paul switches here from parents and children 
to slaves and masters, but the theme of obedience remains the same. Paul is not saying that owning slaves was okay. He is simply dealing with the heart of people where they were, and some translations actually use the word servant here. Slave was a broad term, and slaves in one area were not the slaves as another. Just like here in Michigan, we have our own culture. If you go to a different state, they have their own culture. Same was true back in these times. So just because Rome behaved one way with their slaves doesn't mean they did the same in other places. So I want you to remember that as we're going through this. One point that I want to make is verse 7. It says, serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord. That should be how all of us serve in whatever job we're in. No matter what we do, are you doing that job as you're doing it for man or for people? Hopefully you're doing it as unto the Lord. Whatever your hands find to do, whether you are cleaning toilets or making sandwiches or raising children, do it as you're doing it as unto the Lord. Because you never know what impact that's going to make. And I just realized, I hope you're not making sandwiches after you clean the toilet. I really hope not. <laughs> Paul here is dealing with a heart issue that we all encounter. How are you going to treat one another? And are you going to obey God? So many times we say, God, speak to me. God, tell me what to do. Didn't he give you his word? Did he not write down a book for you to read that tells you how to treat other people? How to behave? And yet so many times we're like, well, yeah, that's great, but he didn't tell me that. Yes, he did. You have to read his word. In verse 6, it says, obey them not to win their favor when their eye is on you, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of the Father from, from your heart. When Jesus prayed, it was from his heart. He said, God, let your will be done. Jesus knew that the cross was before him. And he cared so much about what God wanted, he still said, God, I want your will. Isn't that how we should all pray? With kids, I teach them not to go to God with a wish list. Not to go to him and say, I want, I want, I want, I need, I need, I need. Right? God is not a vending machine where you do so many good things and you punch in the numbers and he gives you whatever blessing you've asked for. That's not how God works. He wants a relationship with you. And the closer you get to him, the closer your heart becomes like his and the more you want his will done in your life. Just as Jesus, that's how we should pray, that his will is done. Are you praying from your heart to see his will done? In Matthew chapter 22, verse 37, it says, love the Lord your God with all your heart. Your heart shouldn't be divided with all your soul and with all your mind. This is how much we should focus on him, not focus on sin or how close we can get to it, not focused on what current pandemic is going around, not focused on what's going on in the news. He should be our focus. I love how Jesus calls us slaves of Christ because he's our boss. He's our master. Where I'm from, if somebody is your boss and they tell you to do something, you better do it. But later on, Jesus says that I no longer call you slaves, but I call you friend. Because a slave isn't brought into the house to know the Father's will. We are. So if we're doing what he wants and we're obeying what he wants us to do, we're fine. We're good. But when you step out of that, you really need to wonder what's going on. 
what if we don't think about this as masters and slaves, but instead boss and employees, or leaders and followers, or parents and children? What if we treat people the way that God shows us in his word? I love the verse where it says, doing the will of the Father from your heart. Is it in your heart to see the will of God done in your life? Something a pastor taught me was when you're reading that and you're praying it, what if instead of saying, God, I want your will done on earth, what if you said, God, I want your will done in my life, in my situation, in my community, in my household, as it is in heaven? Because that then puts pressure on you to listen to what he's saying. You don't expect somebody else to do it. You have to step up. And you have to say, all right, God, what are you saying to me today? Do you ask God the simple little questions? How do you want me to dress today? What route do you want me to take to work? God, I'm not feeling good. Can you help me out? Do we go to him with the little things or only the big matters that you're worried and concerned about? Because hopefully we're talking about all of it. Hopefully he has dominion over all of your life where he can speak into it and say, hey, don't do that. Hey, turn left here. You may not understand why, but if you're being obedient to him, it shouldn't matter. Our hearts as Christians should be the same as what Jesus prayed. Lord, I want your will to be done. Pastor James, if you would join me for a minute. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to take this and we're going to make it practical. This is something I do with the kids. I'm not calling you kids, but you're children of God. So we're going to make this very practical for a moment. I've talked about obedience, but now we're going to walk it out. We're going to take a moment, and just as Pastor James begins to pray, I want to have 30 seconds of silence. I don't want to hear praying. I don't want to hear clapping. Because I want you to hear what the Father is telling you. Some of you in here, God is telling you, just as we heard in the, in the message, that he's been trying to get a hold of you. But we're not listening. So I want to take just 30 seconds, and I'm going to time it, so don't worry, we're not going to go over. And I want you to listen to what he's telling you. It's great that we get up here and share messages, but if you never make it practical, if you never put it into your life, it doesn't do you any good. So I'm going to get my watch ready. And for 30 seconds, I just want you to listen. Are you ready? On your mark, get set. stop. See, wasn't that hard. Oftentimes we talk about we want a relationship with God, but we're so busy giving God our wish list that we never allow him an opportunity to speak to us. I love that I get to speak to God. I love that I get to sit alone in my truck and just let it fly, and I know that he is listening. Whether I'm sad or angry or excited, he's there. 
But just like in a relationship, there are times that you have to stop talking and start listening. I couldn't have a relationship with this staff or with my wife if I took over the conversation and I talked all the time. I would never learn anything about them. I would never know who they are as an individual. Church, are you listening to him? And oftentimes, you know, we expect God to have this big, booming voice or a Saul to Paul kind of moment. But so often, he's speaking in a still, small voice. It's not loud because he wants you to listen and to pay attention. I love you guys, and I am so excited that we get to walk through this together. This is something that we need to work on. I'm not saying because you're bad at it, but this is something all of us need to work on, is being more obedient to our Father. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to end with a prayer, and then I'm going to hand it over to Brother Rick so that he can come and instruct you on what to do for the business meeting. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much 